motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So today I have Emmanuel, which is the host of the Short Term Secrets uh, podcast over in America, and he is a host in America as well in Florida. So uh, really excited to to speak with Emmanuel. We connected through the Airbnb marathon, and um, it's a great great group that's sort of developed from that. I think we're all kind of connecting with each other and sharing stories and finding out how they operate. And it's just great to hear how other people are spinning this incredible Airbnb game and making it work for them. So Emmanuel, first and foremost, thanks for joining me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure. Uh, it's always good to speak to some fellow Europeans. I, I really miss back at home. Um, as I mentioned to you off the show, I was born and raised in Sardinia, Italy. Uh, so for me, the old continent is always going to be home. Um, and you miss it. It's 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 kind of funny when you can't go back. Uh, you're like shit. I I really wish. <laughs> I'm dying for some good food. Um, I'm dying for some family. Right. I have my 93 year old grandparent. Uh, was his birthday yesterday, and I would normally be there. So it's kind of like this <laughs> kind of bittersweet realities of of these times that we're in. But at the same time, I feel very fortunate to be here because um, as we were also talking online offline. The economy here has been a lot looser, um, so my Airbnb business has been going very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's always that give and take in life of, of you know. Yeah, yeah. So when did you move from Italy to America? Yeah, so I was an exchange student uh, when I was 15 years old. Uh, I came here the first time, uh, then I went back to Europe for college, and then graduated in right after the big financial meltdown with a degree in accounting and finance. So I couldn't find a job in a bank. Um, so I moved back here because my mom and sister kind of never went back. And uh, and I started my, my real estate career at that time um, as a maintenance guy. So that was the only job I could find out of college was that of a, of a handyman okay. um, an apartment complex that did vacation rentals at the time. Okay. And that, it did, was it from that that inspired you to get into it? Or was- yeah. Actually, that's been my only job. That's the only job I've ever had. So I kind of transitioned from handyman to uh, weekend manager to full-time manager um, to the gentleman that I used to work for, getting divorced, him being from Israel, wanting to move back to Israel, and then just kind of selling me the business. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, so you operate in Florida. Is your what, What's sort of your main client that comes through? Is it is it the tourism side of things or is it the contractor side of things um so we have a mix i would say i would say a good half of our our business is definitely uh tourism uh we're very um nicely located because we're right next to a tennis academy uh we have a hospital we have a couple like big synagogues around us so we have a lot of that uh travel client but it's travel for leisure but also travel to come and play tennis travel for the medical treatments I travel for family events. Um, So a lot of like people come down for like Passover and the type of like the big Jewish holidays. Um, And then we do a fair amount of local business, uh, which is not necessarily contractor, but I work a lot with real estate agents. I'm a real estate agent myself. And I kind of target my fellow real estate agents because 
if you have a client that is in between closings or let's say they're waiting to move into a home or they're going through renovations or they had a flood or anything of that sort happens. Um, so we work a lot with local agents, both real estate and insurance. Um, so that's that would probably cover a good like 20 to 30 percent of our business, actually. And then the remaining bit is people relocating. Um, so we have a lot of people, especially lately, they're moving down to Florida due to the fact that the Northeast is a lot tighter and people are not really as free as we are down here. There's, we're seeing a big migration of people into Florida and, and we just don't have the home demand right now. Um, I mean, the home supply, we have a lot of demand. Um, so we're seeing a lot of people now coming through for that. And I love those bookings because they're like two to three, four months bookings. Yeah. Um, and they're not in vacation mode. They're in getting to know the city mode and like kind of like just they want to be local. And so they're not very um, time intensive. Like they're coming yeah. to ask a couple questions. Um, but once they start rolling and they start knowing where their grocery store is and everything else and they start getting acclimated, um, they're actually very easy clients. And how do you, do you um, do you still do the linen and the cleaning at a scheduled slot for them? Or is it just they just move in for four months and then you get the property back? Yeah, so I used to do weekly cleaning service uh, before COVID. I I don't longer I no longer do that, and I don't know if I'm going to restart doing that because it was a big expense for us. Uh, the weekly cleaning. Uh, the main upside of it, in my opinion, has always been that we got to keep an eye on the property during the clients, yeah. and the turnover uh, wasn't as time intensive. But I've also realized that it's not very industry like my average competitor is not really doing it. So I'm not, it's a plus, but it was costing me like on the way of salaries, I wasn't making, so the good news is, is with the exit cleaning fee that we charged, I was covering that, but I wasn't making, making a profit. Yeah. Uh, from cleaning. I think it's, for me, it's with the longest days, because uh, I, I have seen the after effects of, um, cannabis farms getting grown in in a property you know so for me it is more just i want a site on the property i want to know that it's not getting trashed and that we're not going to walk in four months later and need to do a full refurb so um i guess it's that peace of mind and also i just think by gradually keeping on top of stuff it tends to keep it a bit cleaner long term so your bill at the end of it's not the most but I guess it's what works for, for each individual company, isn't it, you know? Yeah, and I and I think I actually, now that you're speaking, I might actually like the idea of, of if you're staying with us for three or four months, they would do well, do free of charge at like midway, midway mm-hmm. clean just for us. Because um, it, it, it definitely makes a difference, right? Like our turnover time went from a couple of hours to more like five or six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, on those longer term cleanings. Whereas before my girl could knock it out in like two, two and a half hours, maybe three. Uh, now just the share cleaning that it actually takes. Um, so maybe that's that's actually a good idea. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like, you're kind of doing like an end of tenancy deep clean really, aren't you? Rather than just a sort of spring clean, sort of, you know, short term yeah. spring clean. So, um, but, but yeah. So are you... Do you operate near Disneyland or is that not? No, uh, I'm actually yeah. in South Florida. So I'm about 45 minutes north of Miami. Okay. 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 And that's, yeah. um, you're saying lock, lockdown's been quite easy there apart from the initial two months? Yeah. So we had April and May that the main problem was just that 
the business, the short-term side of it was all shut down. So it was only a month or longer. And a lot of the reservations at that time were shorter. Um, so the biggest hit was mostly like cancellation side, just getting hit with a lot of cancellations. Um, we repivoted kind of quickly to like servicing more local people and more of those like long-term people coming down with this like medium to longer-term stays. But that first April, May, uh, it was just a complete halt uh, for for a second. Um, that was difficult. But then after that, we restarted everything open was like towards the uh, middle of May, middle to end of May. Uh, June 1st, we could re rent at any length. Um, and then gradually, restaurants started reopening. So now we're back at like full capacity. Gyms are open. So everything is everything is open. Um, and as I mentioned, a lot of people are coming from the Northeast, like New York, Boston, like those areas, especially New York, because they're being really, really super strict up there. Um, and people are just kind of over it. And we experience every year a natural migration from the Northeast. So imagine you guys from the UK going to Spain to spend yeah. the winter, right? So it's a very similar kind of trend. Um, but what we're seeing now is people are like actually leaving the city with plans of staying here longer term. So it's kind of like expedited that natural flow of of the people migrating anyways at a certain age, probably kind of like what your dad did, right? Like he went a couple of times and then he's like, okay, I'm good to move to Spain for good. I'm not coming back yeah. to the yet, and I'll just come and visit. Um, yeah. So that was just kind of expedited, I think, for a lot of people uh, due to COVID, due to the uh, rise of remote work. A lot of people that make a decent living and don't longer have to work in the city are like coming down here because they can golf and they can have their boat and go out, go out to yeah. eat and, you know. Yeah, 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 makes sense. So in terms of your acquisition strategy, do yeah. you rent arbitrage, which is known as rent to rent over here? Do yeah. you lease? Do you, do you own? How, how does yeah. it kind of work? So at the beginning, what I started doing is, is I always did a combination of all three. Um, so I used to own a couple. I used to rent to arbitrage a couple. And then I used to do the co-hosting of the management on, on the rest. What I happened to do over time is in the same apartment complex where I started working uh, right out of college, that's where I buy and that's where I own the majority of my units that I own personally all within that one apartment complex. So over the years, I've transitioned all of those from either arbitrage or management to ownership. Mm-hmm. So my core portfolio, my 39 units are all ours and we all run them and we own them. Then we have a spin-off of a management company now that does exclusively management. Um, so we don't do arbitrage anymore just because we don't need to, right? We have enough experience and we've done this long enough that we can afford to just be like, we're good at what we do. This is our track record. We're interested in doing management for you, but I don't want the headache or the monthly commitment of, uh, of an arbitrage. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be. I, I mean, everyone kind of seems to cut their teeth on the rental because that's the only way to go in. And then I'm actually repeating. So that's pretty much exactly what I, I've done and do. And um, I'm still a big believer in rent to rent. I think it serves its purpose at times. Oh, for sure. And, um, so at the minute, I'm moving the operation to Dubai or expanding the operation to Dubai. And um, I the, the idea is we do the rent to rent, prove ourselves get the figures, get the data, and then you push it into management. And people always ask me this, like, how can I get into management straight away? And I, I personally think you've got to prove yourself before you can then 
take on somebody else's property in that regard. And I think once you do prove yourself on a few units and you've got facts and figures, then you should go into management because once you've got all the pieces of the puzzle behind the scenes, the cleaners, the linen, the maintenance, the operations, the mm-hmm. guest handling, all that sort of stuff, then you can easily go manage other people's properties and generate them a lot more revenue than they would uh, rent to a normal tenant. You know, the oh, uplift sure. is huge. And um, But so many, I find that so many landlords are just, they've been renting to a tenant for so long that they're just stuck in that sort of mentality of just that. And, and getting them to change is is the biggest leap. But once they do change, they're just like in awe of it because they're just obviously collecting a bigger check every month and there's absolutely no hassle. And um, yeah, it works really well for the landlords that we work with. And it seems to be a pattern amongst most short-term rental companies that I've networked with both across the world now. You know, it's rental arbitrage. Then they start owning a few of themselves and then they start pushing the management. And then maybe they start to drop the rental arbitrage as, as an element of their business uh, because obviously it's, it's more risky, the rental arbitrage, than it is to manage. But I guess the flip side is done right, you can probably make more money from the rental arbitrage than you can the management. So it's kind of yeah. like weighing, weighing that up. So. so to me, the main advantage and the way that I look at it in the sense of like growing to scale is to me, and we have a common friend, Julie George, um, out of Australia. And to me, the real beauty of the management side of thing is that you also have a business that has very little expenses that then you can resell at a later value because you have all of those contracts. Mm-hmm. I personally wouldn't buy a rental arbitrage business just because I, just the amount of share due diligence that will have to go into it and you really understanding how all the leases are written, everybody's, is everybody okay with it? It's, it's the management of the current building okay with it? What are the long-term implications? Like, is the city, what's going to happen? I see it, and I think that's a big um, that's a big thing that you have to do as an entrepreneur is understand, okay, what are your exit strategies and where is this going to go? And is there a potential for this business for you to exit out of it at the end of a certain time? Because at the end of the day, we don't want to work for the rest of our life, right? Like, that's not the goal is not... Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll always be doing stuff, but, like, I don't think you want to stay in the one business for the rest of your life. So, like, the, the management side of thing and the ownership side of thing really allow you to exit exit the businesses. Um, the ownership, obviously, if you want to keep the ownership and give up the management, that is all, that's all a thing that you can do. On the arbitrage thing, I feel a little bit more wary. Um, and in the past, having... Having done it, I had like 25 units that were arbitrage at a certain point. It's a huge chunk of money every month. Yeah. Yeah. So you really have to grow the stomach to handle that. And and you know what I mean? That I'm glad I did it. Would I redo it? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I also I was also like 22 when I got started, right? So you don't really your appetite for risk, my appetite for risk has changed. Um and I don't want the like heaviness of the big payment. Then it's really going to really making somebody else rich, which now I have the same payment, but it's going to pay off my mortgage. So at yeah, least yeah, I'm yeah. hustling. I think, I think what um, Julie's story is it 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 opened my eyes as well too. I've always been a, a, a big fan of um, like working your way out of a business, mm-hmm. out of the operations especially because. 
big, big, like businesses are sold for the systems and the processes and the stock, not the CEO that runs them. And the businesses where they are dependent on the CEO tend not to sell for as much, or the CEO has to do a lay on of a few years to kind of pass the business over. Whereas if you work yourself out the business and you've got great systems and processes and you're just leading the business on a daily basis, that is worth more value to somebody else because they can always plug a leader in to continue those systems and processes. And um, yeah, it was interesting to see that she only had a managed operation, never did rental arbitrage and sold it for, well, obviously she can't disclose the sum, but it's, it's obviously a sizable amount of money. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, really so yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what, um, what does your typical stock look like? Is there a certain two, three beds or is it blocks of flats or yeah. big, so, big houses? Yeah. Right now, everything that I have that I own is within this one apartment complex. It is um, 40 units all together. I own 39 of them. So I have 23 one bedrooms. I have eight three bedrooms and eight one bedrooms. And then the stuff that we manage outside of that tend to be individual uh, homes. And those go anywhere between like three to four bedroom, uh, usually with a pool. Um, and those are a bit everywhere throughout the, the rest of the market. But my main stuff that I own is all in one apartment complex or like what we call four plexes here. So it's, it's a building with four units. Um, and that's where we run it and own all of it. The majority, as I mentioned, are going to be two bedrooms and then eight ones and eight threes. I have to ask, you've got 39 of 40 units in a block. Who's got the one? Uh, this client of mine and has been, has been this, this, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. It's, working uh, on it just strikes me as odd yeah. that you've got pretty much the whole block apart from one, apart from one unit. So, so did you, yeah. did you buy the block off plan or have you kind of just worked your way through the block offering people money and buying it? Work my way through it. So it went from five unit to 16 unit to 20 unit to last January, I bought 18 of them at a single go. Um, And then the remaining two were holding off and they're the newest newest owners in the property. Um, So the remaining two were holding off. One of them closed January. Um, And so now I have this last one that I'm kind of playing chicken with. and, and how, how, how um just talk us through this is very interesting so and i'm sure yeah. the listeners want to know more so just talk us through the process because i assume that was a just standard residential block of flats yeah so in the process of like how about them like with yeah the- like how do you go about was it just knocking on the doors and offering them some money or um, so how- i manage all of them for them so that was my apartment complex where i started working and when i bought the management of the business back in 2012 um, it came with X amount of units that the previous guy owned, and then this management agreement, very much like what Julie did, this management agreement for all these other units. Some of them were management, some of them were arbitrage agreements. So I took over all of them. And then over time, as I had money, I just kept buying more. Um, and then what happened is just the business, I was at 20, and the business, everything was going so well that what I did instead of going one by one, I just went to a bank um, and I was like, hey, this is my business. I own half of them. These are the remaining halves. I want the money for all of these. I'm gonna negotiate them all at once and we close them all all on the same day. So my plan was to go for the 20 um, 
But as always, we have plans. Other people have plans too. Um, yeah. So it's really understanding, okay. But then my thing has always been I keep the management of it so I can kind of keep control on it. And I think it's always you just got to find the right incentive, right? So for the, lot, the one that closed in January due to COVID, they weren't making as much money. Um, and they had a problematic tenant in there that wasn't paying. So there was the pain needed for me to provide a solution. And that's how we get paid in our business. Yeah. In the real estate business in general is the moment we can provide a solution to somebody's pain. And this is great for your listeners that are trying to get into arbitrage or management is how do you present yourself as a problem solver and somebody can relieve the pain that the landlord is feeling. That's that's when you get your yes, right? Um, yeah. Well, this one in January, it was a painful moment for them. So they 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 finally decided to sell. And now this other one that is left, we're just kind of waiting, right? Kind of waiting to see. I think for them is it's more of a money thing. Um, obviously, they're not stupid. Like they understand that the fact that there is forty units altogether and they own one. Um, mm-hmm. There is a value to it, um, but we also have on our side the fact that I don't know how they, it works in the UK, but as a condominium, we have voting rights as to what improvements can or should be made, right? So there is a way of me to kind of like force my hand, um, yeah. but what, what the game has been right now is just being very diplomatic and just kind of getting to, I don't believe in burning bridges. That's, that's not my, my style of business. Um, so just waiting for the moment that there is an opportunity for me to help and serve um, and take care of a problem. And that's when I'll get my, my, my last unit. Yeah, 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 it makes sense. So behind the scenes, and I think um, this is what I, a lot of people are interested in, is like how does your team look behind the scenes to run your short-term rental business? You know, how, what, yeah. how does that set up for you? Yeah, so I, I believe in keeping... Um, core tasks in-house. So I have a cleaning cleaning person. There's my cleaning person. Uh, she works for us. Um, she works for us full-time. I have a handyman, uh, which is kind of like a, a key player that does handyman, but can also run errands and everything else. Um, they're actually husband and wife, um, and they're heavily involved. They live on premises. Uh, and then so that's that's a big part of my, my system is just having a team of people that I trust. Um, and, and really, like, treating them with respect. Um, I think we've, we've touched on this on Clubhouse a lot. But cleaners are going to be the backbone of your business. And you also have to understand that for a cleaner to become loyal to you, all you have to show them is appreciation that they're not usually shown um, because yeah. they're cleaners. Right? A lot of yeah. people look at cleaners as second-class citizens. In the case of this business, first of all, nobody's a second-class citizen. But in the, in the scope of this business, actually a great cleaning person, it's going to make you a great host. Um, mm. And that's and that's the end of it. You know what I mean? Like you cannot undervalue or underappreciate your cleaning team because they need to feel that the business is their business because that's the only way they're going to go the extra mile to take care of the guest and really clean the place. Um, <laughs> the way I tell them all the time is like, you're cleaning this place like your mom was coming. Yeah, yeah. How do you clean for mom? Yeah. Right? No matter how old you are, mom is coming to town. You're like, holy shit, this house is a mess. Like, we need to clean it. We need to make it better. Right? So having that mindset of it, um, and then everything else, my wife, 
helps with the back of the house um, with the guest communication. So we use a lot of the software that we've talked a lot about. Um, we use Smart BNB. We have a PMS system. We personally use Hostfully, but there's a lot of great other ones out there. Um, we use Price Lab for our dynamic pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are really the three main things that kind of go along with the actual team. Um, and then my job is is really sales for now. So I still have have the phone um, because we still get we've been in business for so long. And when I started, I narrated this business on an Excel spreadsheet and a website with no direct booking, no nothing. But we did most of our stuff off the phone. And I have a closing rate of about 90 percent on a, on an actual phone lead. The kind of yeah. Thing. Because I've been doing this for so long and I can tell who my guest is when I start speaking to them, right? So if they're coming for the synagogue, I know exactly which synagogue they're coming for. If they're coming for this academy, I know exactly what they're coming for. I know names of coaches because I've, I'm, I've known them. Like they're friends of mine, right? Yeah. So my report building on the phone is, is, is spotless. And those are- and it's, your, it's your business and you're passionate about it as well, which probably oozes through as well. You yeah. know, so. And they're, they're $2,500 in average, right? On the low end, they're $2,500 phone calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. three, three to seven minute phone calls. And what's your average stay length? Did- so that has changed a bit. So it used to be, I would say, two to three weeks. Uh, we're seeing more of like four to six now. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We're like, we used to actually be a lot shorter. We used to be about three days. Yeah. And now we're about four to five days. Um, but we're not getting any weekend traffic. So I think when that comes back, that naturally bumps the average down yeah um, we're in the uk are you we're in the northeast but we we manage nationally so okay. um so, so so we we go throughout the uk and yeah. then i've got a couple of units over in dubai and then we're looking to scale up to sort of 25 30 units by the end of the year so that will be that's a total different market altogether that's just pure holiday traffic um wanting to stay in luxury accommodation, but don't want to pay like hotel prices or they need a bit more space than a hotel room offers. Yeah. Um, so I think the average stay length there will be about six to seven days, uh, sort of a week long holiday or a 10, 10 day type holiday. Yeah. And um, I think there'll be, I think there will be some business travel, you know, three, four night type stuff. Um, probably me. I'll be going over there for three, four <laughs> nights <laughs> quite a bit, but um, yeah. Um, but Different market altogether to what we do here. Here is very much contractors uh, staying for the week, doing their job on site, and then they go back to their home location, and then yeah. they come back on a Monday and they do they repeat the process again, and they tend to stay for a few months at a time, uh, yeah. on and off. So great bookers too because they don't they don't make a mess. They're always usually working. Yeah, all they do. Yeah, we, we quite have them like, oh, by the way, we fixed like a few light bulbs that were out, and we there was a leak on the top, so we sorted yeah. that as well. And I know, love so. that. Yeah. yeah, and we had them, and 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 the only thing with them is is they'll drink a lot of beer, so there will be a ton of beer at the end, and then there's gonna be you gotta have an ashtray outside because the majority of those guys smoke. But <laughs> other than that, they don't they don't bother anybody, and they're literally out all day. Yeah, 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 they um, they are they are good uh, they are good guests, and yeah. um, we've not really had the, I call it the Sunday mayhem where the cleaners walk in after the Saturday night before, and and it's like what are we going to get today type of thing. Mm-hmm. We've not had that now for nearly a year, so uh, we got right. a, we got a glimpse of it on New Year's Eve, 
And um, yeah. but don't get me wrong, the extra revenue that we generate from those weekend stays is huge. So I do want it to come back. I'll, I'll quite happily put up with messy apartments that we need to clean and get the extra revenue. But um, it has been quite nice not to have the phone calls of, oh, this place has been trashed. We need to get an urgent painter and decorator out or whatever, you know. So, yeah, uh, that's for and, sure. Uh, so and for anyone that's listening, don't let this put you off because it is a great, it is a great game. No, and it's such a small part of it too. Yeah, you know? it is, yeah, yeah. It it does happen, but if you, if, I've not experienced anything touch wood that's been so out of control. We haven't even we haven't been able to put right, and I've never really been left that that bad out of pocket from sorting things out. Um, yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah. But um, uh, awesome. Well, Emmanuel. Um, Thank you for coming on. If my, oh, my audience would like to uh, connect with you, how can they get hold of you? Yeah, you can just go. The best way is just Instagram, epani.realestate. Um, all my stuff is there. Uh, my hope is by the time this episode actually gets dropped as a podcast, I have my link tree out with all useful info on it. Um, I tend to not like, I don't evolve as fast as other people. So I'm, I have this thing. <laughs> written down that I've set up a link tree. So my hope is that I'll have some cool, useful resources on there um, by the time this episode drops. Um, I just like talking to people. I don't like... And your podcast is uh, The Short-Term Mental Secrets? Correct. And then we also have a a SCR Secret Mastermind that kind of goes behind it um, that I I just coach in uh, and I just give mentorship. But my my friend, Mike Shogren, which is a great resource as well, the Airbnb guy, um, he runs that mastermind and, uh, it's, it's amazing to just give back and share this business that has given all of us, right. So much freedom, um, with the masses, because I really think it empowers us to kind of create that perfect work life kind of balance. And it's yeah. something you can do with your family, with your wife, um, with your parents, you know, and it's something that can involve everybody and really change everybody's life. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And we will end on that because I couldn't say it any better. But yeah. uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, buddy. Uh, I'm sure we will connect more offline as well. I know yeah. we've got another few crazy clubhouse ideas, and uh, we're even talking about doing a 24-hour conference somewhere once we are allowed to sort of meet back up. We were discussing that with Mark and Julie. Yeah. Yeah. I suggested Vegas as a location or LA, but um, Mark wanted to go to Australia, so I don't know where we'll end up. But yeah. whatever I'm we do, Australia. So I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> and with that lag, they'll probably help me stay up 24 hours anyway. So, it's good. <laughs> yeah. so awesome, buddy. Right, take yeah. care, and I'll yeah. speak to you soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. Ciao.